if you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guest and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of We're Talking Shift. Today, we are going to get into the business of proper hydration. Amazingly, the majority of information coming from doctors and naturopaths, dietitians, alternative health practitioners, coaches, as well as trainers, well, it's not exactly on the money. What we hear pretty much everywhere from everyone is to just drink a ton of water. But what if I told you that there is plenty of research and evidence that says drinking plain water is not necessarily the most, well, efficient way to properly hydrate? So we're going to be talking about hydration, the science of electrolytes, and what the truth around optimal sodium intake is. My guest, uh, he's going to clear up a lot of the confusion around this subject. And by the end of this episode, you will know if the way you've always been told to hydrate is actually right and effective. So before we dive in, let me tell you about my guest, Rob Wolf. Rob is a former research biochemist. He's the author of New York Times bestseller, The Paleo Solution, The Original Human Diet, and Wired to Eat. Rob has functioned as a review editor for the Journal of Nutrition and Metabolism. He's the founder, co-founder of the Nutrition and Athletic Training Journal, The Performance Menu, and is co-owner of NorCal Strength and Conditioning, one of men's health top 30 gyms in America. He has transformed the lives of hundreds of thousands of people around the world via his top-ranked podcast, his books, and seminars. And he is one of the co-founders of Element, a superior electrolyte, electrolyte, I knew I was going to trip over that at some point, drink that I am crazy for. Okay, onward. Rob, welcome to We're Talking Shift. Lori, huge honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So I, um, I discovered Element, which for those of you that are listening, uh, is LMNT, uh, this product, when a sample arrived with one of my Thrive Market orders, mm -hmm. like about a year ago, it just came with my order. And I was like, this is really interesting. I looked at the ingredients because most electrolyte drinks are full of crap. And, uh, and so I was like, this looks good. Let me give this a try. And uh, it was definitely- Remember which flavor it was? It was, I got the citrus package. So it was okay. one of the, I don't remember which, it's probably like either the lemon lime or the orange. Okay, okay, but, just curious. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I loved all of them. Um, oh, and by the way, I'm going to digress for just a second here because I'm sitting here drinking my morning fat coffee full of fat, and I put some of the chocolate in here. Yep. So, so it's like a chocolate, sweet, salty thing because I have some vanilla collagen in there too. And then it's with my fat, amazing. so it's really yeah. rich. It's freaking awesome because I was like, you know, I'm not crazy about the chocolate in my water, but I love it in my smoothies and I love it in my fat coffee. So. Yeah, you you guys probably have all kinds of tricks for these for these drinks, but yeah, but that's a good one I had to share. You, 
you can go uh, decaf coffee, do either the regular chocolate or right now we have the, uh, our seasonal mint chocolate for, for the holidays. And yeah. then I will get a box out to you because it's limited edition. Once it's gone, Ooh. it's it's gone. And then um, top it off with either some Kahlua or a little bit of peppermint schnapps <gasps> is oh, amazing. Get out. <laughs> All right. New holiday beverage right there. Yeah. Thank you. Go, go slow on them. They go down easy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. So this whole thing, though, it got me thinking about a conversation that I had prior to when I got this sample in the mail um, with another guest that I've had on Tommy John. He's kind of a regular. And he was talking about the myths around hydrating um, by drinking, you know, liters of water every day and how most people are so misinformed about this. And so I started doing a little digging and um finally i was like how do i want to find somebody that's really dialed into this and really an expert on this to talk more thoroughly about it so i was like duh why don't i figure out who you people are and so um anyway here we are what what i would love to do is start with well i guess your story and how did you even wind up becoming an expert you know why how and why did you even start developing this product what drove you you know, it's, it's funny that expert thing is, uh, uh, it's a double-edged sword. So I'm a biochemist by training, was looking at either doing a MD track, a PhD track, or maybe an MD PhD track. And right around that time, I, I had a pretty uh, life-altering health crisis. I developed ulcerative colitis so bad that I nearly died from it. I'm about 100 and 70 pounds right now at the low ebb of my ulcerative colitis, I was about 125, 130 pounds. So if Whoa. you imagine like 50 pounds less of me, like I was, I was in pretty rough shape and it was a, a host of things. I figured out I had celiac disease, which is a gluten intolerant, you know, autoimmune mm -hmm. disease. And I had some other stuff going on, but the long and short, I just kind of genetically or the way, way, you know, the cards were dealt to me. I don't do super well with carbs. I don't do well with grains. There's a lot of foods that I, I don't do well with. And it was around 1998 that uh, in an attempt to deal with all these health issues, I was just researching and this idea of a paleo or low carb type type diet got on my yeah. radar. And I started researching that and eventually went and did a, a research fellowship with Lauren Cordain. He's kind of the guy credited with kind of, you know, founding the paleo diet concept, at least in, in modern times. And mm -hmm. it was not long after that, that I uh, ran across this kind of wacky uh, workout online called CrossFit. And I went on <laughs> to co-found the first and fourth CrossFit affiliate gyms in the world. And I think that you're going to have a little call out about a a life altering event at some point in this. And so I'll circle, circle okay. back to that thing. Cool. Um, okay. So in the, so I've been researching and talking about low carb paleo ketogenic diets for 23 years. I'm a decent biochemist. I understand all the metabolic pathways and all that stuff, but I've, I've oftentimes struggled fueling my, my passion, which is Brazilian jiu-jitsu with this low carb diet, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu is a very intense activity. You know, it's basically wrestling, wearing pajamas and, and, yeah. uh, you know, cognitively I feel really good on a low carb diet, but then the, some of the physical performance stuff that I do, I, I just didn't have that, that low gear that I would like to have. And so about five years ago, I ran across a couple of guys, uh, Tyler Cartwright and Luis Villasenor who have a, an online platform called keto gains and these guys just do these amazing body transformation 
stories with people and they have hundreds of thousands of people in their, their, um, their communities and they use an appropriate protein, lower carb diet to, to affect this body transformation stuff. And mm -hmm. I also noticed that a good number of people in their community were doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu at a high level. And I was kind of like, man, I wonder what they are doing that I'm not doing. Mm -hmm. So I kind of stalked Tyler and Luis and eventually became friends with them and, and had them look at what I was doing. And there's kind of a whole long story around that. But the, the long and short was that they are coaches of this stuff and they also understand the science at a very high level, but they work with people every day and have for years. And what they figured out is that people on lower carb diets and, and really not just low carb diets, but when people are eating minimally processed food, mm. you need to add a significant amount of sodium to your diet. Everybody gets generally too much mm. sodium because they're eating highly processed, you know, kind of, kind yeah. of low quality foods. Right. So so Tyler and Louise told me, and you got it, you need to up your electrolytes, specifically sodium. And it took me a good year to listen to them because when one is an expert in one area, of course, you are too thick headed to listen to people who are experts in other areas. But right. when I eventually did, it was just this amazing transformation, like all of the niggling additional like health and sleep problems that I had had really resolved pretty, pretty remarkably. And I looked out at the community that I've been serving and I was like, Oh my goodness, like all of the problems that people experience on these kind of lower carb diets are, are electrolyte driven. So we ended up developing a, a, uh, how to make it yourself homebrew downloadable guide. We called it keto aid and it was this much table salt, this much potassium chloride, this much magnesium, lemon juice, hmm. stevia, water, shake it up and go because we just wanted people to get yeah. this problem addressed, you know? And within six months, we had like a half million downloads of this guide and, and the folks that were using it were just like, oh my goodness, this is so powerful. It has fixed all these problems. My only complaint is that when I travel, I'm traveling with three bags of non-labeled white powder, you know, and that's kind of a problem. <laughs> it could and be suspicious. TSA takes a, takes a, a dim view of stuff like that. So would you guys consider yeah. making some sort of a, a convenience type drink? So five yeah. years ago, I, I was not remotely thinking about becoming an electrolyte mogul. Like it wasn't remotely on my radar. I would have thought that that would be the most ridiculous area for me to, to put focus. But what we found was this huge need hidden mm -hmm. in plain sight. And mm -hmm. then we addressed the problem initially with a, a freemium offering. Like we weren't charging for it. We weren't even using it as an email lead magnet. It was just like, here, use this thing. Yeah. And then we, we found this, this group of folks that were really desperately in need of, of better electrolyte management. And they kind of convinced us to do a product. And, you know, three years later, I, I think element is one of the fastest growing health and wellness companies at this point. Like it's just going amazing. Like crazy. Yeah. So I did, that was probably a lot longer than what you were searching for, for a Genesis yeah. story, but there's a few twists yeah. and turns to the whole thing. Yeah. No, yeah. totally. Um, so I love that. Um, and you're right. I mean, it is, you wouldn't have known, I guess, that there was such a gaping hole in this space until, you know, you were, which seems like a lot of people when they have an issue, a personal issue, that's, that's when we get something, some new information. When somebody finally goes, nothing is working. I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. What do I have to do? Who do I have to, you know, talk to research? What do I have to invent? 
and then we get you know the next level so thank you for doing that um but so let's talk about um like some some explanations around hydrating electrolytes the role of water and then we'll kind of move into like symptoms fixes you know how to recognize imbalances that all that kind of thing how does that sound Sure. So, sure. so biggest myths, first of all, which, you know, we've already alluded to, what is the biggest myth around hydrating that people don't understand? Man, I don't know if there, there's two probably. Okay. And one is that, uh, you know, we need to consume X number of fluid ounces, you know, per day. And then the second is probably that, that sodium intake is, is broadly and generally deleterious to health. And so the, uh, it's funny because it's kind of uh, talking to kids about this is far easier than adults because they Hmm. come with so much less baggage. You just kind of lay, lay some of the stuff out and they're like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's been a good 30 years, I think, that we've received this message of drink eight, you know, eight ounce glasses of water per day. Yeah. And there's really Thank no you. good science from from where this this came as kind of a beginning point. But if we back up just a little bit more, if we look in a textbook of medical physiology and we look up the topic hydration, hydration is defined as the water that is in our person but also the electrolytes and the two are inseparable. Mm -hmm. And then somewhere along the line, you know, this idea that hydration was just water really came into prominence and that combined with the, the, you know, recommendation to consume, uh, you know, 64 ounces of of fluid per day, or, you know, more more than that, uh, doesn't matter the temperature, doesn't matter how large or small you are, doesn't matter what, what electrolytes you're getting in your diet, you know, just by, Mm -hmm hooker by crook do that. And it's interesting. It was around this time that endurance athletics really became super popular. You know, when I was a kid, marathoning was still this kind of weirdo fringe thing. And then I was maybe a teenager. And like, you started hearing about like the Ironman triathlons. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, these people not only run a marathon, they ride a hundred miles and they swim three miles or, you know, whatever the distances are. And so that stuff started ramping up and it was in in lockstep with this recommendation to like hydrate, 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 but hydrate with no understanding of what that actually means. It just was water. Yeah. And we started finding, uh, we started experiencing this, this phenomenon, which people would die during a marathon. People would die during a, a prolonged endurance event or a military boot camp, uh, football double days. This had never really happened in history before, uh, and what people were doing was consuming so much water and also sweating that when uh. we sweat, we lose water, but we lose a remarkable amount of sodium. And especially certain people that we call super sweaters can mm-hmm. have like a doubling or tripling of the amount of sodium that they, they lose in their sweat. A big, and we work with some NFL teams and some of these larger, you know, yeah. pretty muscular guys, they will lose 10 pounds of water and 10 grams of sodium. That's 20 teaspoons of sodium in the course of a hard practice or a game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so if you have that as the reality that we tend to lose lots of sodium, particularly if we're active, if we're in a a warm or a high altitude, you know, cold environment, both of those can be problematic. But if that's our reality, and then what we're told is consume very little sodium and drink lots of water, 
it gets us into this spot that's called hyponatremia where there, our blood sodium is super low and every muscle contraction, nerve impulse, all of the energy that is generated in our body, this thing called the Krebs cycle is driven by sodium potassium pumps. And mm. other than pH, probably the most tightly regulated physiological function in our body is electrolyte status. And if pH goes up or down a little bit too much, we can get sick or die. And if electrolytes yeah. go up a little bit too much up or down, we can get sick or die. So it's a really important thing to, to properly regulate. Wow. So can people, let's talk a second about dehydration. When somebody mm -hmm. thinks that they're dehydrated, you know, you hear like, oh, if you feel like you're really thirsty and dehydrated, it's too late. You've already, you're already dehydrated. You're out, you've already been dehydrated now for a certain amount of time. So it, so then they go, you just need to drink a lot of water. So is, can you be dehydrated without actually realizing you're dehydrated? I, I guess one could, you know, so this is an interesting thing. Elite uh, runners, like elite uh, marathoners mm -hmm. in particular, part of what makes them elite is they either genetically or through training get to a spot where they can lose about 5% of their body weight and still perform at a very high level. So mm -hmm. technically they are dehydrated, but really what's happening if, if uh, let's say the, the person weighs 150 pounds they could be seven pounds lighter from, from lost water weight while still performing well, which is like a, a miracle for, you know, a wow. weight to power ratio. Mm -hmm. So that person is technically dehydrated, but they're performing at a super high clip. Uh, and so he, here's another interesting aside. When you, when one digs into the literature on how many people have died from dehydration other than like they got lost in the desert. They got trapped in a mine cave in it's zero people do now. Uh, uh, if there's vomiting, if somebody has extreme diarrhea, like they catch cholera or something, these are completely different things, but mm -hmm. an individual left to their own devices, there is zero documented cases over like the last 40 years of somebody just sitting there like, well, I'm so dehydrated now that I'm going to die. You know, wow. whereas there, there are thousands of cases of people overhydrating and dying from hyponatremia. So the, it's, oh, um, that's it's, interesting. Yeah. I have not heard about that. So yeah. literally dying from drinking too much water. Correct. And, you know, this happens frequently within, say, like sorority and fraternity hazing, where they will make mm -hmm. people drink either water or beer or something like that. And one of the, the you know, above and beyond the alcohol is just so depleting sodium levels that they end up in cardiac arrhythmias and brain swelling and, and can die. So, wow. you know, this is, you know, in this, uh, not to, you know, drive this off a cliff, but in this age of COVID and trying to figure out risk analysis, you know, this has been a longstanding risk analysis and it is far more risky to overconsume water than it is to underconsume water because you will get thirsty to a point where you will literally murder someone to, to obtain something to drink, you know, whereas people can just be, you know, goaded into continuing to drink water or a too low in electrolyte, you know, content beverage, and they can mm -hmm. overconsume it to the point that they get sick or die. And this is on the element, the drinkelement.com website, we have a lot of this science and it's part of how mm -hmm. we kind of back into the recommendations yeah. that we make for, for consumption. Yeah. 
so interesting because too, you see so many unhealthy people visually, you can tell when somebody's not a healthy person usually. Um, and there, there's never a jug of water not attached to their hands. You know, if you've got a phone in one hand and water in the other hand, and right. you're just like, how much good is that actually doing them? Is there something else that they should be focusing on other than making sure they get, you know, five gallons of water down them every day? But uh, let's let's talk a little bit. Um, you've touched on it already, but let's it, define electrolytes one more time for people because a lot of people know the word but they don't actually know what comprises an electrolyte sure. and, and how, you know, yeah. why that is just so critically important. Let's just make sure, talk to us like, you know, the kids, crayons and stick figures. Sure. So people really yeah. get that. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, from a chemistry perspective, electrolytes are charged particles. They're what we call ions and salt water is kind of maybe the, one of the most accessible, you know, everybody's experienced salt water, even in the ocean or gargling or, you know, something yeah. like that. And yeah. so it's got a sodium ion and a chloride ion and one is positively charged. One is negatively charged. Uh, the things that we're usually familiar with, with regards to electrolytes are sodium, potassium, magnesium, to some degree, calcium. And then the other side of that is chloride, bicarbonate and phosphate. But, but those end up, they're important, but they, you know, the, the metal ions, the sodium, the potassium, magnesium are probably the, the really most important ones. Uh, magnesium and calcium are important for muscle contraction and relaxation. Magnesium is important for that, that uh, Krebs cycle, ATP cycle, where we generate energy for everything that we do. But they're all kind of secondary, really the, the workhorses for electrolytes are sodium and potassium because of their role in the sodium potassium pump. And what we find is that people kind of fall into two, one of two camps, really. One is that they're eating a pretty westernized processed diet and they get yeah. lots of sodium because that is a major, you know, constituent of processed foods. Or we have people that are kind of over in what we might call this whole food world. And this would be vegan or paleo or like well-composed uh, ketogenic diet, macrobiotics, uh, uh, Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. But people are eating largely whole, minimally processed foods. And that means by, you know, definition that it doesn't have a lot of sodium in it. You know, natural foods don't really have a ton of sodium in it. And so there are a lot of health concerns clearly around eating too much processed food. Hypertension is a big one. And mm -hmm. sodium is definitely related to hypertension, high, high blood pressure, sodium plays a role in that story. But what we find when we look at the literature is that people placed who have hypertension, who are placed on a low sodium diet, their blood pressure doesn't really improve. It might improve a little bit, but it, it, it's a very nominal shift because the real cause is that these folks have chronically elevated insulin levels. Most people are familiar mm -hmm. with insulin from managing yeah. diabetes and, and things like that. And insulin just does a zillion different things in the body. But mm -hmm. one of the things that it does is it helps to regulate fluid balance. Insulin also manages a hormone called aldosterone and aldosterone is produced by the, the, uh, the kidneys effectively, the uh, adrenal glands, and it causes us to retain sodium. There are other hormones that help to hold on to sodium also. When you may think, well, why does the body do that? Well, if we don't do that to some degree, 
and people have probably experienced this, if you have too low of blood pressure, you go from seated to standing and the person can, can get lightheaded mm. or even, even pass out. Uh, mm -hmm. there's a, a condition called POTS, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, and it mainly affects kids, but it can affect adults. And these, these kids are at high risk for traumatic brain injury from head injury because they have a tendency of passing out when they stand. And one of the main treatments that they provide to these kids is adequate sodium intake. So it's kind of about finding the, the, the right balance in all this. But what we, right. what we find is when folks shift to a minimally processed, mainly whole food diet, they really benefit from dramatically increasing their, their sodium intake for the most part, particularly if, if they are not insulin resistant, not hypertensive, all that okay. stuff. So I want to make sure because, because hypertension is such a huge thing. It's, you know, a huge disease condition. Mm -hmm. um, and so normally what a person um, that is suffering from that is told is, you know, here's your prescription, eat a low sodium diet, but not, but that's about it. Here's your pills. Yeah. Cut down on yeah. the salt. But nobody usually says anything about, and you should probably do X, Y, and Z, which is like, you know, your electrolyte intake, because that would be counter to what they're saying yep. uh, you should do. And nobody's addressing the insulin and too much sugar and other toxic shit in their diet. Right. Right. So, right. Interesting. So, so everybody well, and, that. And this is. This is something even back beyond the, the days of Atkins, you know, people recognized that when they went on a low carb diet, they, they lost a bunch of water. It's the whoosh effect or they're like, oh, I'm peeing like crazy for like three days. And it's kind of dismissed, but what they're peeing away is their cardiovascular risk, you know, profile because they're going from hypertensive to normotensive. And, wow. and the flip side of that is that because they're in this low carbohydrate state, there's a process called the naturesis of fasting. It means the loss of sodium while fasting. Mm -hmm. um, you need to, if you're eating a low carb diet or doing a, a pretty aggressive intermittent fasting, you really need to add more sodium or you will feel awful during this process. But along the yeah. way there, let's say you are overweight and maybe insulin resistant, doing a low carb diet or, and or doing some fasting, you will notice that you start peeing like crazy because your body is normalizing and it, it's going from hypertensive, you know, high blood pressure to normotensive. And that's then, then when we need to add in a little bit more sodium and get, get smart about managing the electrolytes better at that, that new set point. Interesting. So just to clarify for listeners, are salt and sodium the same thing? Because usually- yes. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, when Same you thing. get into chemistry geek stuff, a salt is any like ionic bonded chemical, but yeah, for, for like common stuff, when we say salt and sodium, they are, they're in, used yeah. interchangeably within nutrition circles. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cause you know, you look at the back of the label of food products and it always gives you this, the sodium levels, right. Yeah. But it never says the word salt. But, right. um, but when we talk about it, you know, we talk about it as salt. So I just want to clear that up for listeners you, that you'll see, essentially you'll for see, our yeah, yeah. And you will see salt in the ingredient list and then sodium mm -hmm. in the nutrition facts panel. Yeah. 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 So I just, yeah. I, I want to, you know, clear that up that essentially for our purposes, we're talking about the same, same thing here, yes. but yeah. For, yeah. for the average bear. Okay. All right. So. 
So we're talking about um, let's let's talk a little bit more about like symptoms and fixes of these imbalances. So how um, how does a person know? What are the obvious signs um, or symptoms if you are low on electrolytes? Yeah, and I I uh, I spent the better part of twenty years in this low spot, which uh, mm. absolutely crushes me. I. I could have been something when I grew up if I had known this better or early on, but uh, oh, but lethargy. you're still something. But you're still something. <laughs> I, I, I am, but man, there, there there was 20 years of suboptimal. Like I, the low carb diet really addressed my my blood sugar issues. It yeah. really addressed my gut issues. But there was this underlying like energy production, exercise capacity that right. Man, Just I wish I could get those back, but um lethargy, brain fog. So, uh, I don't handle carbohydrates super well, but for 15 years, I thought that a lot of the kind of ups and downs that I would feel in the afternoon were blood mm -hmm. sugar. But then a couple of years ago, I, I wore something called a CGM, a continuous blood glucose monitor. And mm -hmm. my blood sugar was rock solid. It didn't go up. It didn't go down but I felt like garbage. I'm like, well, what on earth is going on? And it was low electrolytes. So this was me slowly backing into this stuff. And well, okay, here's a piece of data. There's a piece of data, but lethargy, brain fog, fatigue, um, mm. elevated heart rate, problems sleeping, and then ultimately cramping. Like, but when people get to the point that they're cramping, they really are at that spot where their, their electrolytes are pretty pretty far out of whack. Like that's okay. you know, when I'm at jujitsu and I get a cramp of my toe or something, I'm like, Oh, right. I'm really, I'm really behind the curve on this. Yeah. That's good to know. Cause occasionally I'll get like these weird cramps in my feet and I'm like, what yep. is going on here? Why is that happening? So that would be my cue that maybe I'm a little bit low on my electrolytes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, it's interesting. People will think a lot about potassium. They'll think a lot about magnesium. But if we don't get adequate sodium, what the body will do mm. is just bleed off the potassium and magnesium and water to try to reestablish the sodium to potassium ratio, because we must have more sodium outside of cells and more potassium inside of cells. It's like a, it's kind of like the way a, a hydroelectric dam would work. You need a potential between the two. Really mm -hmm. what it is, is a battery, but you need the, the pot, you know, these two these two um, potentials going on there. And if we don't have that, we, we will die, you know, ultimately. Yeah, so, yeah. so people focus on potassium, they focus on magnesium. We absolutely need those things. We don't get enough of them with our highly processed diet, but if we get adequate sodium, the kidneys are set up in such a way that they will sort out how much magnesium, how much potassium we need, and we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. It is much more dangerous to overdo potassium than it is to overdo sodium. Like the, 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 the margin of error there is rather narrow. And this is part of the reason why potassium as a supplement has, has an upper limit on it because people can get cardiac arrhythmias and can die from a very large potassium bolus. Um, okay. just okay, to make this a little bit dark and morbid, um, a, a lethal, <laughs> lethal injections are a super concentrated potassium and it causes really? the heart to cramp and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it seems painful. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a whole other thing, but, but, but it, it's just, you know, for context, like, um, in the natural world, sodium is kind of hard to find and of 
all of the nutrients that we consume, you know, vitamins, minerals, the only thing that we have a specific taste for is sodium, is salt. And, it, you know, we have sweet, salty, sour umami as our, our palate experience. Yeah, yeah. Salt is an important one. It, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a critical nutrient. We will die without it. We'll die without a bunch of the other nutrients too. Right. But it, it really is critically important. And uh, the, the signs and symptoms of inadequate electrolyte levels, when we look around at the, the issues that plague people, particularly ironically, when people improve their diet. Like they mm -hmm. feel like garbage when they, they it's like a hangover and uh, so much yeah. of what makes a hangover terrible is dehydration. It causes you to lose both fluid and electrolytes. Mm -hmm. And so, um, dietary change is such a big ask because we're changing our personal habits. We're oftentimes ostracizing ourselves from our peer group and our families because we're doing something different and there's all kinds of drama with that. And now yeah. as if that were not enough, let's add in that you feel like absolute garbage, that you're just a shade off of like a debilitating, um, <laughs> hangover. And yeah. we want people to like ride this process out. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, ironically getting adequate sodium in that story can really, really improve the the process and help people get to a, a normal baseline at some point. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's so good to know. We're very extremely low carb, my husband and I, and we have been for many, many, many years, but I didn't realize, you know, until over this last year that I've been starting to dive into this and learn about it, that that was a, a big gaping hole, you know? Yeah. So if you, yeah, the health, you eat healthy, you eat a lot of, um, you know, greens and produce and you know clean clean meat and whatever and um yeah you're missing you're missing some important elements there which um elements did you see how i did that yeah uh, yeah, yeah that's how we came up with the name <laughs> well brilliant there you go yeah, yeah. I, i'm kind of proud of myself now that that just came pouring out uh wasn't planned literally um, we were in this like corporate you know corporate america like whiteboard session and I just noticed that people had said elements 30 times in the last like 15 minutes. So I'm like, there's our name. And I just went up and wrote element on the, on the whiteboard and we're like, okay, next, next. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's perfect. And I like the way that, you know, you, you did it with just L M N T. Yeah. When I first got it, I was like, L M N T. I don't get this. And then it took me a minute. I was like, Oh, duh element. <laughs> it's so brilliant. Well, and it's a great way of, of seeing who is the new in crowd versus the old guard, you know, how it, yeah. how it gets, you know? Yeah. yeah I so. love it. I love it. Um, but that is good to know, though, for people that are have either already been on what we would call a very, very healthy diet, which typically is not anything to do with the standard American diet. I mean, you're, you're not eating processed food and or any any kind of what we would consider junk food is like a very rare occasion type of mm -hmm. thing. Um, but you're yeah, if you're not really savvy about this, you're you still got some up leveling to do in order yes. to really maintain your optimal health. And then for newbies that are just trying to really get into a new eating lifestyle and leave the old trashy one behind. This is again, something that they really need to be aware of, especially in that, that gap where they're, uh, they're sort of What's the word I'm looking for when, you know, when you're really addicted to something because the standard American diet full yeah. of fat, salt, you know, bad fat, salt, 
and and sugar is so addictive. So then there's yeah. that, like this withdrawal period, right? Um, so I would imagine during that withdrawal period, while you're transitioning into something healthier, making sure you're supplementing with this will definitely help bridge that gap a little more comfortably yeah. than you were just sitting there chugging away on your plain water, which makes me wonder about people that swear by their like three-day water fast. So I wonder, is that really a, is that really a good idea or is there a better way to do that? I, I would just do pickle juice or a table, you know, a tablespoon of water per gallon of water that one consumes, you will just feel so much better. And, and okay. clearly like, uh, I, I think element is a, a perfect addition yeah. to that, but like, we still have that free downloadable, make it yourself guide. Okay. Uh, folks go to drinkelement.com forward slash homebrew. And it's a free guide. Like I, I, I um, fasting is kind of challenging enough. And I, I think that yeah. the water only, uh, stuff because people will start losing huge amounts of sodium. Your mm -hmm. energy is going to be so much lower. Your sleep will be worse. Like just, it, 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 we know sleep is so damn important. And then whenever somebody does something that negatively impacts sleep, I'm just like, I don't know if the trade-off is there. Like if it's mm -hmm. running out of your house because it's burning down. Yes. Sure. Short of that. Like I, it, it's really hard to justify anything that disorder sleep and just about to a person, what people report when they are, are fasting without adequate electrolytes is that their sleep is terrible. So not only mm. are they, and they're supposed to be doing this for like autophagy and suppressing cancer potential and all this type of stuff. And man, yeah. it, 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 sleep is like, it, it is the, the biggest return on investment mm. and arguably more important than our food in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right in so many ways that the damage caused by um, consistent poor sleeping habits or, you know, inability to sleep is uh, it's astronomical and people don't realize it. You know, they right. keep thinking, well, I'll just get up, I'll slam down my coffee, you know, I'll get my caffeine or God forbid, even worse, you know, my, my, my colas or, you know, my right. monster drinks or all of that garbage so that they can get through the day. And then they have a horrible, you know, a horrible breakfast. Um, cause they think that's the most important meal of the day. And then they, then they have a horrible lunch and then they hit the wall about two, two thirty, Right. And, and then the cycle just goes on and on. Right. Um, interesting. Uh, and I, I really wanted to drive home the point too about brain function. So when, because that's such an important thing and, and your ability and capacity to be able to focus and to think clearly and to react and respond. Um, and most people are, so many people, I shouldn't say most, I don't know what the stats are, but you know, if you're moving at all in any social circles or through society, or you, you know, are around people during the day uh, at your job, you know that there's a there's a lot of uh, there's there's a lot being left on the table there, right? And, right. <laughs> right. And so I think um, I just think that's another thing. It's not just that you want to make sure that you have energy. That's of course a good a good thing to want, and and we need to have that. But it's also about making sure that your brain is functioning at capacity. And this is clearly such an important aspect of that because just plain water again, probably is not going to do it. it. It it can if you are consuming adequate sodium, magnesium, potassium from the diet, 
And so okay. part of part of our, our download guide um, helps educate people about good sodium rich foods. So like 10 olives provides a gram of sodium, a good size pickle provides a gram of sodium, um, okay. salami, sardines, uh, anchovies, like, the, you know, there, there are some good sodium rich foods, you know, uh, salted okay. nuts, so all the, so it, 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 it depends. So when we look at this, we're really trying to consider both the dietary inputs and then anything like element that would be supplemental to that. So it's not impossible to get okay. it from dietary sources, but folks have to really stack the deck in their favor to make that work. Okay. So that was, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that was me. One of the things that I asked you was what about food choices? Are yep. there some foods like you just mentioned um, that are higher in in uh, sodium or potassium or you know, all the combination of things that we right. want. And then what about beverages? Like I always heard that coconut water is naturally high in electrolytes. Is that a good it has, beverage? It has a fair amount of potassium. And so, okay. I mean, it, it's kind of ticking that potassium box, but uh, you know, if I had, depending on what one's needs were at the, at the moment, but I, I think that coconut water would be uh, much better powered if one, you know, you've got like a 32 ounce, you know, mm -hmm. container of it or what have you, um, maybe a, a teaspoon of, of regular salt thrown in okay. there and then shaken up half, half to a full teaspoon. And then you're going to have a little bit of magnesium, a decent amount of potassium, and then you will have adequate sodium okay. on that. And this is, this is, man, this is the easiest stuff in the world to just experiment. Like if somebody has been serially consuming coconut water, say post-workout or something, mm -hmm. add some sodium to it. And now see how you feel, what's your energy like, and really what's your sleep like that night. Like mm -hmm. if we're really doing something good, we should see an improvement in sleep also. Interesting. That's a good idea. That's good to know. So add just to add some sodium to the coconut water, or like yep. you said earlier, add add a tablespoon to your gallon of water, add yep. a tablespoon of salt. Okay. Um, okay. So what about like... Drinking water. Okay, so here uh, it's really dry where I am. We're in Wyoming, right. so uh, it's it's very very dry, especially this time of year. So you know, of course, you wake up a couple times during the night because you're parched. So yep. you take a couple sips of water. You know, you go back to sleep. So is it an even better idea to have a glass of electrolyte water before you go to bed? Yeah, and it, it's important to remember that what brings water into the body are the electrolytes. The water follows these charged ions, the, the okay. sodium, the potassium and, and whatnot. Absent that, the water goes into our system, dilutes our electrolytes, and then our kidneys need to work to then reestablish a okay. balance. And so it's, we're actually going to move more water out of the system in that scenario. And this is again, something that, you know, you live on the backside of any mountain range and you, you experience really cold uh, or a uh, very dry air or, you know, more Northern areas where it, mm -hmm. it never gets above freezing for like a couple of months and the air is just super dry. Folks are used to how their mucous membranes feel when they're regular doing things regularly. Try doing more electrolytes, like what we're laying out here and track that for a week. And I, I you, you tell me like, are the mucous membranes better? Do you wake up less with like those kind of crusty, you know, yeah. uh, uh, weird things growing in your sinus cavity <laughs> and, and is your, is your energy level better? You know? Yeah. Right. And, and I think folks will notice that just uniformly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. What about, um, okay. So 
Is there, I mean, I'm guessing maybe it varies a little bit from person to person for, you know, depending on circumstances, but there, is there like a, an, what should we go for, for how much, how do you know how much yeah. to take in? It, 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 that is uh, uh, unfortunately one of the most difficult questions to answer because do we yeah. have like a, a 115 pound female or a 240 pound male? Are they right. doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu wearing a gi? Um, when my wife and I go to Costa Rica or when, when we used to do this thing called traveling and we we uh, did some stuff <laughs> yeah. like that, um, we would do a, a jiu-jitsu camp where there were two three-hour sessions. It was in a metal building that was open air. So you got some, some wind blowing through, but it was 94, 95 degrees, 90% humidity. Mm. And man, I, on those days, my total sodium needs are maybe like 15 grams per day. And then when I'm living in Montana and, and let's say I have a day off, my total sodium needs are probably five grams a day. So okay. we, we tend to bracket it. We, we think that virtually anybody would be well served from getting at least five grams of sodium from all sources. Uh, okay. And then depending on your physical activity, the heat, the humidity, cold, cold environments are challenging to deal with because our, our thirst uh, receptors tend to downregulate. We don't want to drink fluid. Right. And so we, we can end up both high, uh, uh, dehydrated, but also deficient in electrolytes under both circumstances in the cold. And then you don't have adequate blood volume. So you don't keep your extremities <laughs> warm. Part of the you know problem that people have because it's a heat pump. You're pumping heat from the core of your body to your periphery. And if you have low blood volume, you don't move heat efficiently. So if people have cold hands and feet, that's me. Electrolytes is a big deal. Yeah. I mean, that's mm -hmm. not the whole, that's not the whole yeah. story, but right. I guarantee you people will notice an improvement if they, they improve that stuff. So mm. okay. yeah. Yeah. All right. I think I'm still not getting enough then because chronically cold hands and feet, my hands, they're cold right now. <laughs> and, and I'm sitting here drinking my electrolyte water. Right. Right. <laughs> So it, it, you know, I would say a minimum of five grams per day is for just about everybody. If somebody okay. is hypertensive and insulin resistant, they don't typically need more, more sodium. What they really need is some sort of a lower glycemic load diet. And it doesn't mm. matter if it's paleo or vegan or keto yeah. or whatever, they just need to shift towards a whole food diet. And then when they shift, they probably will need a, additional sodium. But mm -hmm. the, the challenging part above and beyond that is we could see sodium needs double or triple for an individual, depending on the environment that they're in and all that type of stuff. Uh, the American Council of Sports Medicine recommends for athletes in warm environments somewhere between seven and 10 grams of sodium per day. And you, okay. have, to, you have to overlay this with what mainstream medicine tells us, which is to get less than two grams of sodium per day. So you may be losing 10, they're telling you to only replace two. If we ran our a bank account like that, we would be in dire straits really yeah. quickly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Really? Oh my God. That that's a huge discrepancy there. It's I mean, a massive that's discrepancy. Really misleading. Yeah. God. yeah. Okay. So I have to uh just ask because I personally want to know. Um what do you so what would be a it's a good experiment for somebody that runs a marathon. And I ask that because my daughter usually runs a marathon, one marathon in LA, uh, somewhere in California every year. And 
so she's a teeny tiny little thing too um and electrolytes is something that hasn't come up so Mm -hmm. if somebody's preparing for a marathon uh, besides just what they should normally be doing on a daily basis, is there anything extra they should do like right before? Should they be doing this during the run? For sure I, after. I, I, for sure after, probably b- before and, and during. So, I mean, yeah. ideally what we would see is every 32 ounces of water would have the equivalent of one element stick pack in it. So a gram okay. of sodium, uh, uh, 200 milligrams potassium, 60 milligrams magnesium. I think that that's a, a great place to be during her training, during the event. Um, she may need, you know, if it's a, a cool overcast day, she's Mm going to need less. If it's Mm -hmm. a, it ends up like kind of a weird inversion layer and it's humid and it's hot, then she may need double what, what she would otherwise anticipate, but I definitely wouldn't do it brand new on game day. Um, right. I would test this stuff out, you know, yeah. like, uh, we use a, a very, very absorbable form of magnesium, magnesium malate, and we use a very small amount, but for some people, any amount of magnesium kind of gives them the disaster pants effect. Yeah. And yeah. So- she's heard of, th- she's heard of that, but she's never experienced it. Thank God. She's very, yeah, very yeah. careful about that. And, and you don't, uh, marathon day is not the day that you want to test no. something new that could give you disaster pants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So in the couple months leading up, when you start really your serious training and you're running eight miles and 10 miles and 12 miles, that would be the good time to start. Absolutely playing with this. So ultimately maybe the like one element packet, that's like one of these, you guys, uh, 0.21 ounce packet, uh, per, what did you say? A 10 ounces of water per 32 ounces, 32 ounces of water. That's I think a very good place to start. My wife drinks them as concentrated as 16 ounces. I find them undrinkable like that. Like I have, but she's Italian, so she's tougher than I am. So I, I, (laughs) I yeah. don't know, but yeah, yeah. I, okay. I think 30, 20, 24 to 32 ounces is really a good sweet spot. And I tended to err more on the 32 ounce side. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's good advice. I'm going to pass that on to her. Thank you. Um, do, uh, oh, um, do you have a going rogue story for me? I kind of do. Yeah. And I, I alluded to a little bit and it's maybe a, yeah. a two part going rogue. Um, Okay. Uh, I was in queue to do either an MD track, a PhD track. Uh, I had jumped all the hoops, you know, undergrad MCAT, um, w- was working in a, a cancer research facility, both because I was interested, but also, uh, uh, you know, it's a great resume builder for trying to go into that stuff. And because of my own health crisis and what I, what I figured out to address it, um, I had run the full gamut of healthcare. Like I, I, I was at the university of Washington. It is literally the best medical professionals you could find on the planet. It's a research institution. It's one of the best in the world. These people are brilliant and nobody could help me. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. nobody could help me with this ulcerative colitis. And that's not true. They saved my life when I was in the acute phase and I was going to die the emergency medicine did its trick. And I think emergency medicine is absolutely miraculous. If you get hit by a bus, you get shot, like yeah. the stuff Injured, these people yeah. can do. Yeah, it is amazing. But when you're dealing with a chronic degenerative disease, modern medicine has almost nothing to, to offer in, in those circles. Uh, 
I was facing either a bowel resection or immunosuppressant drugs the rest of my life. And I, I knew enough about both processes that I didn't want to do it. And so when I was able to fortunately regain my health with this kind of ancestral way of eating, and I became aware of circadian biology and the gut microbiome and everything, I was kind of looking at another eight to 12 years of studying disease before I started helping people. And then the main tools that I had to help people weren't useful, you know, in my mm -hmm. opinion. And it was right around this time I was poking around on the internet and I found this kind of weird workout online called CrossFit. And mm -hmm. my good friend, Dave Warner, who's a retired Navy SEAL, he and I started doing CrossFit in his garage. We took all of his welding material out and, you know, put bumpers and rings and everything in there. And I'd say within like three months, we had a good 10, 15 people training with us. And I reached out to the, the Glassmans, Greg and Lauren Glassman, who had founded CrossFit. They said, hey, we want to open a gym. We want to call it CrossFit. Can we do that? And they were like, yes, yeah. go, go be achieve. And so I completely abandoned this, this uh, becoming a physician, becoming a researcher. And I basically opened a gym and became a coach. And so did, that did was people a, around you fit, which is super cool, but did your like friends and family go, you're, you're nuts. You, all of this time. They didn't even say invested? anything. They just, they just wrote me off. Like it was really? like, this is the, because I was the first person in my family at that point, I think ever to have gone to college at all to say nothing of, you know, mm -hmm. potentially getting an MD or PhD or both of them. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was really, uh, that was a, a massive pivot. And I tell you what, it was, it was a slog, you know, if you are, if one is very, um, security focused doing academia or medicine is kind of great because it's like, you just have these hoops to jump through, you jump through this hoop and here's your next thing. You jump through this hoop. It's your next thing. And there's a lot to figure out, but it is being an entrepreneur is so completely different because you could work a thousand hours on something and not make a dollar, or you could yep. put five hours into something and make a million dollars. You know, I mean, right. they're just completely nonlinear and having this, you know, a uh, dollar paid for an hour worked mentality will kill you. And mm -hmm. it, it's not the right thing for all people. It's not the right thing for all circumstances. Uh, I didn't have kids. I wasn't married yet at, at that point. Mm -hmm. When I did that, I met my my wife not long after this, and she was foolish enough to, to jump in and, and help me with everything that I've done. But it yeah. was, um, uh, the, the first two years of opening the, the gym, my wife and I together, our tax return, we, we earned less than $10,000 total between the two of us running that gym the first two years before we, and we were working part-time at a physical therapy clinic and we had two cars that were complete junk, yeah. but they didn't break during that time. We had an apartment <laughs> that was like $400 a month and, and yeah. we just ground on it. But not many people at the age of like 30, 31 are going to be willing to, mm -hmm. to take that, risk. that, that yeah. risk, you know, I mean, yeah. it was, it was pretty dire. Yeah. 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 Not everybody is cut out for a risk uncertainty and, um, going against the status quo going against what's expected of them from their family. That's, that's, it takes some, you know, it takes some massive courage uh, to go against all of those things, kind of go rogue, as I, uh, you know, yep. I like to say, yep. and just take a hard left and, and do this other, what seems like maybe crazy thing. But 
how do you feel about it? You know, fast forward to what, how is that, you know, how has that played out in your life? I mean, I doubt you've ever had any regrets. No, no, no. I, there's never been a day that I wished that I had MD behind my name. And even in the, the, the online battles, I sometimes, you know, engage in um, just being this punk kid with a bachelor's degree from a state school. And I know the science better than folks with, you know, uh, PhDs and MDs from Harvard, and I can talk them in circles. I, I really take yeah. seriously being good at what it is that I do. Mm -hmm. but, um, I mean, the 12 years I spent helping people would have still been invested in just becoming a, 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 a new doctor, you know, a, a, you know, good, good, another, at least eight. So um, I was already well on my way to, you know, having, I, I think the, the old podcast I had ended up with uh, 38 million downloads total before I, I shut that one down. And, you know, I, I innumerable, wow. you know, emails sent, Hey, your work saved my life. Your work probably saved our daughter, you know, and, and stuff like that. And so I, I think I probably, you know, was able to help an order, you know, many orders of magnitude, more people not doing that, that main track. And I guess yeah. one thing that's interesting, like I was raised pretty poor, like we were growing up for, for, you know, white male in America and everything. We were, we were pretty pretty poor. Like we were on like the, the government food mm -hmm. and all that Systems, type of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, and so in some ways also, I didn't have that far to fall. Like I had, I had worked since I was 16. I started working at 16 mm -hmm. because my dad was disabled. My mom had a ton of health issues and was effectively uh, disabled herself. So I had to start supplementing their, their baseline for them to be able to make it. And so for me, in some ways too, it was like, I, I, I can't fall that far, you know, like I've already right. been there, you know, and the fact I, I have a, a degree now and I could work in a variety of different places, you know, if this, if this business thing does fail, um, yeah. that would be challenging. You know, now I have seven to nine year old daughters. I have a wife. I'm going to be 50 years old next, next month. And, and, uh, it would be way more difficult for me to do some, uh, a pivot. Like I've been thinking about a pivot, just like closing all of my online stuff or like really dialing it down and mainly doing like a regenerative farm. And mm. I may do that, but that isn't really going to expose us to financial risk. I'm not doing something that, that, you know, I'm, I'm not taking everything that we've ever earned and leveraging it into this new startup right. and, you know, yeah, rolling the dice on that. I think it'd yeah. be really hard to do something like that at this point. That would, right. that would definitely be a, a different deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you do have, depending on the phase you're at in your life, you know, going rogue, depending on, you know, how that, what that means to the individual. Um, it, it, the less you have depending on you, like, you know, a wife or a spouse uh, or kids, the easier yep. it is to roll the dice and take a chance. And, you know, if you have to live in your car for, <laughs> for yep. a while, it's just you, you know, but, but yeah, as, as uh, life progresses and, and you, um, you know, you have a family and things, people and things depending on you, it does get to be a little bit trickier, but, but there are still ways that, you know, I, I want to encourage people that are listening that, you know, even if you're in that place where, oh, there's a lot, there's a lot 
going on and it's yep. scary to take some risks, but there are ways to take them, you know, um, in a way that you aren't putting everything at stake. So, yep. you know, like maybe when you're in your twenties and thirties and you, or, or, you know, maybe not your thirties, I guess it depends on where you're at and what you've got going on, but there are ways to do it that are less extreme than perhaps yep. you would when you are kind of just, you know, flying solo. Absolutely. Yeah. Good story. And you know, it's interesting because I always ask people, and I've had a lot of um, people in the medical uh, industry, doctors and such on, and so many of them say when they, when they were on that path and they just, for whatever reason, either a personal condition that they were trying to sort out or for whatever reason, they decided they weren't going to continue on it. And they, they went rogue and went the other way. And they all said it was the best thing that they ever did. It's just, it's yeah. very interesting um, that how that whole, the viewpoints, the perspective, the, the respect that that the medical industry used to garner, it's getting a little wobbly and there's a lot yeah. of people literally, yeah. you know, a lot of people taking their licenses <laughs> off the wall and throwing them in the fire. I mean, it's uh, it's an interesting time uh, that we're in uh, for a lot of reasons, but that's a big one right there. It's, we'll tee that up maybe for a future conversation, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure you have some thoughts around that as well. Uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. So maybe, maybe you'll agree to come back at some point and we can chat about some other things. I will I've... bring down property values anytime you want me to. So, yes, <laughs> yeah. I love it, love it. Uh, so, before I let you go, um, where's the best place for people to find out more about you and and what you have to offer and everything that you do for everyone? Yeah, my main site is robwolf.com, R-O-B-B-W-O-L-F.com, and you can just kind of find the podcast that we do. I do a weekly podcast with my wife called the Healthy Rebellion Radio. And then over at drinkelement.com, we do a ton of material on not just electrolytes, but fasting, ketogenic diets, uh, 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 a whole host of things, breastfeeding and electrolytes. Like we had a whole mm. month of, of deep dive on that because uh, breastfeeding and electrolyte consumption are, are huge if you you want to improve your odds of success on that. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good to know. I wouldn't even have thought of that. That's interesting. Um, yeah, you have a ton of great stuff out there. So you guys that are listening or are watching, um, make sure that you do check out uh, those sites. And we will also put those in the show notes so it's easy for people to find. This, this stuff, you guys, uh, this is what one of the little packages of these um, element drinks. I, I mean, I'm not trying to do an ad, but I'm just saying I love this stuff. And this has really, really helped me because I was very deficient. I'm like a camel. I can drink one half a glass of water and I'm good till the next day. So I know that's right. not good, but I've never been able to force myself to drink all this water that I've been told my entire life to, you know, adult life to drink. And I was like, yeah, there's got to be something I'm missing here. This is this is the missing link right here. So I know there's a lot more to this, but I think that we've really um, done a great job explaining the fundamentals of this to people so that they can understand why this is so important and how they can remedy um, either their, you know, their dehydration or just um, make sure that they're doing things in a much more optimal way. For sure. You have been amazing. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you before I let you go. I keep saying yeah, that yeah. Um, somewhere on one of your sites. 
I saw some really badass looking t-shirts that say, stay salty. Where do I buy one of those, Rob? Oh, we can get you. I'm not even (laughs) sure if those are for sale, but I will get you one for sure. I want one. I will pay for it, but I'm like, that is so cool. I love it. I'm I'm assuming a small? Yes. Yes. Okay. That that would be awesome. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. All right. So... um, You've been amazing, and I hope you'll come back. Uh, everyone, make sure to check out Rob's stuff. And um, and to find out more about coaching with me, just head on over to lauribischoff.com. Uh, share the show and spread this good shift around. Give it a rating and a review because your reviews really help inspire other people to listen to all of the good shift being shared here. So until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay hydrated and go make some epic shift happen in your lives. That goes for you too, Gary Vee.